Hello, my loves. Welcome to another episode of TRP Recovery. It's your host, Nalkayel, and today's topic is definitely pretty sensitive. So if you have any type of triggers regarding the topic of sexual assault, um, please take care of yourself and come back to this episode at another time when you're prepared. But if you're able to actually listen in, I think today's topic is super important. In order for us to be unleashed, which is the season's theme, um, something we have to do is uproot a lot of things, you know, people and experiences that have held us back from the life that God has called us to. And sexual assault in all its forms, um, It can definitely do a number on your self-esteem. It can warp your sense of security and trust in yourself and in your confidence and even your trust in people and in God. So I think today's testimonial with our incredible guest, Miss Denise Taylor, is so important because you need to know and understand that there is hope and life after such experiences. So to give you a little bit more background on Miss Denise, she is a talented leader with valuable experiences leading teams through change, establishing new teams, and energizing teams to deliver strong results. She is the host of the Embrace Your Power podcast and finds her purpose in helping women regain their confidence. So this one's a toughie, as you can hear from my voice. Um, But it's going to be rewarding. So, you know the drill. Sit back, relax, and let's dive in. Good morning, Denise. How are you? I am doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Although I will say the weather's not that great today here in Charlotte, but you know, it's still warm. So that counts. Today's topic is going to be so good. We're going to be talking today about rebuilding after sexual assault, which is Something that so many women and men, although they don't report it as much as women do, um, have gone through. And as a result of that, it has impacted their ability to really connect relationally. And it could be across so many different things, not just romantically and friendships professionally. And so I'm hoping today will be super healing for people and affirming and knowing that they're not alone. But also, um, before we do get a chance to start, if there's anybody on here listening and you've experienced this and this might be a little bit too triggering, I definitely recommend taking a couple of minutes or maybe even setting this aside until you're ready to take a listen. But yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about today. How are you feeling about it? I feel pretty good about it. You know, it's it's a tough thing to overcome and it takes time, it takes prayer, it takes a desire to want to unpack it all. And so I think that caution is very relevant and necessary. So I appreciate you offering that. Thank you. And thank you for agreeing to guide us through this discussion. So before we dive in, give us an elevator pitch, Denise. Let us know who you are. Well, you know, I will tell you that when I think about myself, I get a chance to live what I call a blessed life. And for me, that is really about being in a position 
to be a blessing to others. I work to help women build a life that they love. I believe many times we discount ourselves and we don't prioritize our needs. We don't prioritize the things that we want. And my whole goal is to help us get out of our own way so that we can do that. Now, I will tell you, there's a lot of reasons why we don't, and many of them stem from things that have happened in the past, things that have been said to us, things that we have experienced. And so the work that I do to help us see ourselves successful and shake off fear, oftentimes unleashes some of these painful experiences of what has happened to create that dimming and that settling and that limiting perspective that we've introduced on ourselves. But my passion is when we get to blossom and we get to step into who we are and we get to see ourselves the way God sees us. I frame that up as embracing our power. And so I have a number of different things that I do. And two of my favorite things are I get to be a mentor to women who are ready to take that journey to their next level of success. In addition to that, I also get the opportunity to host two fantastic podcasts. Um, The first one is Embrace Your Power, and it centers around that whole concept of what I just described. I get a chance to bring on women who are exemplifying that mainly because I believe that we can be encouraged when we hear the testimonies of others. And so that platform is really about bringing on people who have taken their journey, whatever their journey is, so that it can be an encouragement to others. And my second podcast, which I recently started, is around this whole notion of perspective of life wisdom. Um, I believe that when we can begin to accept wisdom in our lives, we can change the course of what our experiences are. And what's unique and different about that one, it's called I'm the Good Thing, is it's really learning to see ourselves the way God sees us. And I've created these five minute episodes that release three times a week to help energize us and get us started in a good perspective. So my vision is that you'll listen in the morning as you're getting ready for your day, doing your makeup, drinking your coffee, driving to work, just something really fixed on helping to empower and encourage you with life wisdom. And those are just a few of the things that I do, but that's how I show up and how I help women build a life that they love. Powerful, powerful woman. (laughs) That is exactly what you are. And on that note, you know, talking about your podcast, um, Embracing Your Power, can you take us through your journey of how you learned to embrace your own power? Because being able to get to a position where you want to share that wisdom with other people, it often indicates that you've had to go through something similar yourself. We'd be curious to know about it. So what's really interesting is a lot of that comes after the fact. Like when you're going through it, you don't really recognize and say to yourself every day, I'm embracing my power. Like you don't really recognize that. A lot of that discovery comes from reflection, right? When you look back and you look at what you've been through and you look at what you've overcome. 
the whole concept of embrace your power, it comes straight from the Bible, right? God didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us power. And I believe that when we embrace our power, we can be, do, have, and achieve anything we want. Now, I do believe you'll be divinely inspired to go after the things that God wants to partner with you to do. But the whole key to that is that he's given us power. So in my own journey, you know, I reflected upon all those defining moments in my life whether it was overcoming some of the trauma that I experienced, whether it was experiencing many of the successes that I experienced in my life, I saw a reoccurring theme. And that theme was God gave me something in each of those experiences that seems to have empowered me through it. And so when I went back and I really began to understand exactly what he blessed me with, which is the capability that he has given each of us to be able to power through, to make it through, to overcome, to not be delayed, to not stay low, but to go higher in ourselves and in our dreams. I just saw that there was this reoccurring perspective that if I would allow myself to be open to that, if I would allow myself to see myself successful, to desire that and to really do all of the work to become that, that I could achieve these marks of success in my life. And so as I reflected back, I saw some different things like ring out. I saw that when I was able to make it through school, when I was able to perform professionally, when I was able to show up in great ways for my family and raise my children, and when I was able to do all of these things that God gifted me with, I recognized it came through Him. And it came through his ability to give me appetite for success, to give me the drive and the desire to go after those things and to also just remain in hope and remain with my faith and remain in confidence and belief. And so it's not one thing. It's not one thing that made a difference. It's all those everyday decisions to choose myself, everyday decisions to keep going, everyday decisions to stay hopeful, everyday decisions to do the work that illuminates into embracing your power. And that is what I want to always encourage people to do because that's what seems to have made a big difference in my own life. Mm -hmm. Wow. Something that reminds me of, of this idea of trusting the track record. So building your confidence, it also ties back to being able to rely on a pattern and knowing that if I've done this before or if God's gotten me through this before, he definitely will do it again. And so I think it's so powerful that you were able to lean into that. And in doing so, you've not only rebuilt yourself, but now you're rebuilding so many women and empowering them to do the same. So I just want to commend you for that. Oh, thank you. So, you know, it's interesting that you say that because when we begin to think, right, and we allow ourselves to get out of the moment, to get out of the blow, to get out of the the low, to get out of the moment, and we take ourselves back to not only gratitude, but also recognition of what we've been able to accomplish, we can see our greatness. We oftentimes are looking outside of ourselves and 
we're admiring things that are true about us too. We admire so much in other people. We see all of these wonderful qualities and we think highly of them. But I want us to always remember that's true of us too. You know, when we see them overcome, when we see them accomplish, when we see them achieve and we see them soar, we have that same ability within ourselves to do exactly the same. And so I think you're you're spot on, whether it's pattern, whether it's repetition, it's all begins with that recognition that I have that within me as well. And you know what's also powerful what you just said, Denise? I think oftentimes when people don't understand that they either have that within themselves or they have the capacity to build it, that's how situations like jealousy and envy can start to brew because you think that whatever God deposited in them, I don't have that. And it's true to some extent because all of us are unique and so he gives us all different gifts. But if there's certain characteristics, like that person has perseverance, like that's the theme of your podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Anybody can build perseverance, but what what are you willing to do to get there? And that's the, the key thing, I think, so, wow. <laughs> so one of the ways that I think people perhaps get into that mindset of, I can't do what this person can. It's usually an indication of low self-esteem or lack of confidence. And one of the ways that happens is through experiencing something like sexual assault. Could you help us understand what that is by giving us a definition and also the distinction between that and rape? Interesting. So. I think at its core, it's a violation of one person's desire, right, of their innocence and choice, right? At the crux of it all, it's that violation that occurs. In my particular instance, I was sec I was I was molested as a child. I guess that's the best way to say it because there wasn't necessarily a sexual act. There was just very inappropriate behavior that had sexual sexual grossly sexual overtones with it and that violated my innocence and it happened and unfortunately it happened with more than one person um, in my life as I got older I was sexually assaulted as well and in that particular case it wasn't necessarily that I had subjected myself to an environment that leaned into that possibility. It wasn't necessarily that I um, positioned myself inappropriately. It was like none of those factors were at play to throw any miscues. Because I think oftentimes when people are dealing with that, one of the questions that comes into your mind is, how did I create this in some way? How did I make this happen? Did I dress inappropriately? Did I give off some vibe? Like we try to assess our ownership in it. But to your point, when you go back to the definition of it, it has nothing to do with how you dressed. It has nothing to do with if there were all of these cues that said possibility could go that way. Because at the heart of it, it is a violation of you, your innocence and your choice. And so I think that is how I would kind of qualify it um, 
and at some point there's a shift in it takes on this aggressive overtone where you feel powerless in that situation. And so, you know, you're often challenged to say, well, why didn't you? But if you've never been in that situation before, you don't really recognize that there's this moment of numbness. There's this moment of you're just kind of here and you're still in a state of disbelief without with trying to understand what is really going on and it happens so quickly that you are left with pieces at the end and fragments of this grossly violating experience. And so I don't know how else to describe it. And and I wanna go on as saying violation varies by person, right? So, I don't want to qualify what a violation is, right? I just want to say you have to do that personal assessment to decide whether or not something like that has happened to you. And when we hear people say that, when we hear people acknowledge that, we have to be willing to believe them and trust them trust who they are, trust their their perspectives of their own being to support them in the most loving way we can. Wow, thank you so much for sharing that, Denise. I know it's not easy to share something that vulnerably. Um, and I, I definitely think it ties back to this idea of boundaries. And I love what you said in the beginning. Oftentimes we internalize and we think the first thing to do is to blame ourselves but when you're not taught certain things and you know if you're not given the opportunity to know how to distinguish between what is appropriate and what's not appropriate you're susceptible unfortunately to ill actors and I love what you said at the end too like it varies from person to person and in this day and age when there's just so many different ideas and standards, you have to do a really, really, really intentional, you know, take some time to be intentional, excuse me, and understand what works for you and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And then also be willing to communicate those things. Mm -hmm. Because I think oftentimes when you don't have boundaries and you can't communicate, it is not your fault, but unfortunately, sometimes that makes us more susceptible to certain things. So thank you for that. On that note, what are some of the feelings that someone might struggle with after having an experience like that over time? You know, as I went back to the moments after, there was so much crashing in in that moment because you're wrestling with what just happened. What does this mean about me? You're wrestling with things you heard about yourself and how did this you know, feed into that? In my particular case, right? I could just remember, and this lingo may not be relevant for you fresh young people, but <laughs> I could remember being told, you're such a fast little girl. You're so fast, right? Mm-hmm. And it really began to disrupt my identity of myself Mm 
because I'm trying to reconcile fast with what just happened. I'm trying to reconcile my experiences with molestation with what just happened. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to reconcile what's good about me that someone wouldn't honor me the way that I felt was appropriate. So you have all of these mixed messages that come in. And I, like many, after it was done, you just go take a shower and you just hope that it will wash away. And I know that sounds really crazy because people are like, you need evidence, you need, like you, in that moment, you are just trying to figure out how to pick the pieces up and get refreshed and cleaned up Mm -hmm. and, you know, try to figure out how you're going to move forward, right? Like nobody, teaches you here's the three things you need to make sure you do if you're ever violated like nobody is preparing you for that because nobody wants to think in these terms but the statistics say that one in four women will experience this in their lifetime right so you're just trying to swim through all of the hurt all of the pain, all of the disappointment, the shame, the con- like there's so many things that come crashing in that you're trying to swim through in this moment. And unfortunately, every single one of those things are targeting your identity and who you are. Like every emotion that you're feeling, every discontent, every thought is coming fast and furious for your identity in that moment. And many of us, we lose our battle with it, right? And we begin to take on those perspectives and we begin to see ourselves that way and we begin to act in that way and we begin to just lose context over who we are and we do all of that in silence we do it all alone we don't seek out help we don't seek out resources we don't seek out support and in many cases the acts go unreported Mm -hmm. the acts go unacknowledged you you may tell someone close to you but you swear them to secrecy (laughs) which is kind of crazy but yeah it just becomes this war i'd like to describe it as it becomes our blues that we nurse when we're alone when we're laying in the bed by ourselves when we're in the car and a certain song comes on, when we're in the shower and we go to that moment and we nurse it. We nurse it by allowing our, allowing it to continue to terrorize us. And then we package it up and we put it away and we try to act like it doesn't exist until it's time to nurse it again. And so it's very life-changing and not necessarily for the good. And the hope and prayer is that at some point you can free yourself from the 
the stronghold you have to that pain that you can fight to really begin to see yourself the way that God sees you. And I guess that's one reason why I'm passionate about that. Um, Because you can try a lot of things, but the only thing that I have found so far in my many, many years of living that seems to have made a difference that's been able to stand the test of time is really going back to who did God create me to be? And what did he say about me? And I found restoration in that. Oh my gosh, Denise. There's just so much to unpack there. One thing that stood out to me was the word context. And you described how in the beginning, a lot of people would refer to you or to anybody and during that time as fast. Um, can one, can you break that down for us, this idea of fast? And then once you do that, people don't understand that the words that you place on children, especially during those like critical development points, it truly, truly, to your point, is a marker of their identity for a very long time. And if you're not careful, the very things that you speak out of your mouth, they will become. And what happens is if you don't have, as a parent, the self-awareness or the emotional maturity to say, what was my you know, impact on that? Then you end up shaming them for the very things that you named them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, before we dive into that, could you explain to us, you know, I guess, millennials <laughs> what the term fast is so the term fast is something you would say about someone who seems to be maturing quickly mm-hmm. not necessarily physically but in their ability to begin thinking older uh, they tend to do things that are older than them, if that makes sense. So they are hanging out with the older cousins. They want the looks that are a little bit more trendy and fashion forward than what might be necessarily for their age group. They are starting to dibble and dabble into concepts that seem advanced for them, right? So they may be into boys, right? And it seems like they um, are skewed more that way. So you'll see them liking boys quickly, maybe more quickly than the other people in, or the other girls or the other people, I should say, in their age group. It just seems like they're advancing at a pace that's a little bit more outpacing of their age group. So um, they would say that they're fast. Now, when someone is throwing it as a dagger to you, right, and saying you're fast, typically what they mean is they see you garnering attention from boys. They see you um, hanging out with the fast crowd that seems to be more aggressive doing the things. So back in my day, (laughs) it was the hanging out, it's at the mall, it's the, you know, it was 
what is seems to be the more aggressive stance, right? And getting more attention and drawing more attention to yourself is kind of like what you would say is fast. Now, in current days, like it doesn't have as great a marker because everybody is kind of showing up, right? But you do have some people that are kind of hanging back. And so that delineating quality of somebody that you consider is really out there seems to be in the in crowd, seems to be more aggressive, seems to be extra fun, if I can call it that, um, typically would be get, would get labeled as that. Um, and so it catches the attention because it's not necessarily the same as everyone else. See, what's, what's interesting to me about that, it's like two things. So one that's like glaringly obvious to me is the attention of that quote-unquote behavior with the girls but not necessarily with the boys Mm -hmm. the boys are encouraged to actually lean into that whereas the women are made to feel shameful Mm -hmm. even though it can be agreed that for that age group both parties you know depending on how you know you raise your kids whatever the case is should perhaps be a little bit not as advanced in that area as they should. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the issues that, you know, my generation and those younger are dealing with right now is this idea of, okay, well, if it's okay for one, it should be fine for the other. When in actuality, we're just both dysfunctional. <laughs> 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 yeah. And it, it's funny, like, you know, on social media you see a lot of finger pointing you know on both sides and i feel like though it's a call for us to put the weapons down and to talk to one another and say like hey like this is how i was brought up you know this is what happened to me you know what happened to you and for us to like fix it but to your point if it's not addressed that becomes a wound that you nurse and so whenever people touch it you get very reactive (laughs) because it's not healed yet Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that you added in that phrase that I think is really key is how you were brought up, because there's always leading factors into how we develop and grow, especially in terms of our personality, right? And what happened to us in that particular case. And in my case, I got slammed for being fast, but in context, I was the youngest cousin, right? Which meant that I hung out with the older cousins. And so if you're gonna see me emulating anything, you're gonna see me emulating what the older cousins are doing. Secondarily to that, I was the youngest child. And my brother that's just above me, he is six years older than me. And my brother above him is 10 years older than me. So there's a huge gap in age. That just meant that I had a ton of freedom because by the time I'm growing up, you know, my mom's like out doing her own thing and I was raised in a single parent home. And so freedom and older cousins meant that I was 
gravitating to things that are older than me. Now, that's not justification, but I think to your point, we've got to ask some deeper questions, right? We've got to bring some proper context to things because we are labeling people without really understanding the full picture. Exactly. You got to trace it back, which is a shameless plug for the free ebook that you would get by subscribing to www.trprecovery.com, people. All right. Don't make me say it again. <laughs> but um, the, the next question um, for us to kind of continue on is um, how does sexual assault and rape impact your relationship? So we kind of touched on it um, just right now, but I'd love to go in a little bit deeper because and I, I don't exaggerate when I say this, I feel like our generation is a mess right now when it comes to all things dating. Um, and there are a lot of us who have these skeletons, you know, of assault, of rape, of molestation in our closets. And because we haven't addressed them, it shows up as bravado. It shows off as overcompensation. It shows up as aggression, you know, so how, how does that impact people that at least have, at least with you, how have you seen it impact people and how would you recommend people go through the healing process for it? I love the things that you called out um, because it does show up as overaggression and bravado, but where I normally see it show up or how I normally see it show up because I work with women, I see it show up as shrinking. I see it show up as discounting. I see it show up as playing small. I see it show up as hiding in plain sight. I see it show up as limiting beliefs. I also see it show up as emotionally unavailability, uh, being emotionally unavailable in relationships. And what's interesting even in my own life, and I would broaden the context, we're talking specifically about sexual assault, right? But abuse, period, right? Any form of abuse can result in those things that you talked about in the things that I talked about. When it comes to relationships, if you have not dealt with it, it is impacting how you show up, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. Um, it becomes this guarded secret space of you that has ripple impact into everything that you do. And because of that, it's impacting your relationship. And we think ignoring it is a solution. And for many people, that's what they do. They ignore it. But as with anything that is left unaddressed, it just continues to spoil within you, right? This part of you just continues to spoil. It sits there, it's alive, which means that you've got to contend with it. So either it's going to continue to grow and turn into bitterness and turn into resentment and turn into all of these attitudes and perspectives that you will exhibit, or you are going to continue to hide that part of who you are and it's going to be limiting to you. 
the overcompensation that you noted, which is the bravado and the arrogance and the demanding, right? That's when you're typically overcompensating for it. But many of the times, the way that I see it show up is where we tend to be more reserved and more coveted and and holding back in ways that um, are really limiting our ability to soar. Stepping into a healing process requires acknowledgement. It requires you being courageous and wanting to deal with it. Um, it is not, it is a space that I believe you can navigate on your own. I just don't think you would want to. Um, that's just my opinion. Um, but I do think that you can navigate that space on your own, depending on how much reliance you have into something that's going to give you life instead of it. Getting help to navigate that space is going to accelerate you. But I think what you're going to find is once you start unpacking it, you're going to be like, oh my God, I got all these other areas I need to do with this as well. And the reason why you are going to lean into it more is this. And this is what I found in my own journey. As I was willing to finally deal with it and finally address it and finally acknowledge. The one thing I discovered is I was holding on to it. It was not holding on to me. And when I let it go, I found liberation. I found freedom. And so taking the journey, which is a difficult journey, and I have to acknowledge that, being honest about how you felt, being honest about what happened. It really honestly has nothing to do with that other person. It's not trying to hold them to the fire. Yes, they have an accountability, but they are not in bondage by it, you are. And so if you will allow yourself to really be honest about the pain that you feel, you will find that you're holding on to it. And if you can be courageous enough to let it go, you will find liberation and freedom as a result of doing so. And I think that has been the most powerful thing that has happened in my life is I got free. And the keys to that freedom were always with me. It just took a choice of wanting to deal with the pain, wanting to allow myself to acknowledge it, and then ultimately wanting to let it go. Oh, Denise, there is freedom in forgiveness. And I love that you described it that way because a lot of people, myself included, who have struggled with forgiveness, it's this idea that you are condoning what this person has done to you or accepting it to be, you know, true or a reflection of yourself. And it's the furthest thing from the truth. But, you know, in the word it says, you know, forgive your brother 777 times or something along those lines. And please, if there's anybody who's more proficient with the word, if I've misstated that, please don't hesitate to correct me. But the concept still remains. Why does Jesus tell us to do it that much? Because in the word, it also says, guard your heart because from it flows life. So if you allow that offense to stay in your heart and to your point, Denise, and it creates bitterness and resentment and anger 
or, you know, narcissism, whatever the case is, then who is it impacting? You. And it's also impacting the gift that God has placed in you to also help others. Because now you're too busy nursing that wound, that that offender, they're done. They're gone. They've moved on. But here you are still holding on to this. And no, it is not fair. It's not. And I say this with so much empathy because I get it and I was there. But it's a choice. And I love that you said that. It is truly a choice. You have absolutely every right to remain in that space of anger. And it's justified. But then you have to ask yourself, is it worth the rest of my life? So I, I just wanted to pause on that and say thank you because I feel a lot of us really struggle in this area of forgiveness, but once you're on that other side, and sometimes you literally feel lighter. Like, you know what? This is truly off of my shoulders now. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of the final questions that I have for you, and it's super important, how did this impact your relationship with God and your faith? Because oftentimes in the, the context of, you know, you know, church and Christianity, whatever the case is, and your faith, that's often the point where you take that as a reflection of how God feels about you. I know for myself, multiple things that have happened in my life where I've said, well, if you've allowed this to happen to me, I guess I see how high I am on your priority list. So I don't need this anymore. And I've walked away from my faith for, I think it was like over five years, a little over five years. And lo and behold, like, obviously I'm back now, hi. <laughs> but it took a while to get there. And it came to addressing a lot of the things that we just discussed today. So how did that impact you? And how were you able to, you know, rebuild your faith? Was it broken at all at that point? So, so the one thing I will say is I didn't hold God accountable for the mistakes that people made. Mm. And I know that that sounds really, really crazy. Um, but I didn't, I didn't see him as accountable for it, or I didn't see him as, as our relationship being fractured. Um, I, I stepped into the restoration that he gave me and I didn't hold him accountable for the heirs that I experienced. Mm. Um, and, and that was just me. I just never connected the dots that way. But I found in him a resting place, a huge resting place for the recovery and the, the you know, coming back from it and the acknowledgement of it. And um, because it's only in recent years and it could just be it could just be, I've only in recent years made the acknowledgement of the sexual assault. I acknowledged the 
molestation long before I acknowledged the sexual assault. And so I was definitely at a completely different place in my relationship with God when I made that acknowledgement. And so I, I didn't hold him to the task in that way. Um, I guess I understood that there was a breach to occur in the relationship and sin entered in at that point of the breach. And so it's not his fault. And I didn't struggle with it in that way. And for as much as it's not his fault, he still offered an answer that helped me through the process of healing. Mm -hmm. And so I guess for me, I didn't struggle with the God question. And I know a lot of people do. I know that a lot of people believe that his sovereignty should protect us and his love should protect us and his plans for our lives and his commitment to us should protect us. But we only access that when we acknowledge that. And what it brings is a commitment for to us for ever, for eternity, for the distance. But we gotta deal with these weapons that are going to be formed against us in this earth realm. Um, you know, the Bible tells us that they'll be formed, but they won't prosper. And the fact that they're going to be formed means that there's some things that we're going to experience in this journey and they could be grossly inappropriate what we experience, but that there is a prosper that won't happen with it, it won't reap reward, it won't get to have me because I believe that God has something greater for me. And so here's what I would offer to a person who is struggling in that way is that you can make an exchange. You can exchange everything that you feel for what God has to offer and that what you feel, what you experienced and what you went through was not because he wanted that for you. It's because sin abounds and he's still willing to be loving. He's still willing to be Lord He's still wanting and willing to be savior. He's still wanting and willing to restore you. And to me, that's the best message is that there is a way out of what I went through to recover what I experienced and to get back to who he really created me to be, regardless of what I went through. I'm so, so powerful and so helpful. And I love that we had two different perspectives because I think oftentimes going back to like our earlier part of the conversation, we always compare ourselves. It's like, well, God moved in this life, in this person's life this way. He needs to move in it like that for me. But 
it's not the case. We're all unique. And so it's going to require a unique set of, you know, circumstances and, you know, ways to address the situation. So thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. So like I mentioned to you before, Denise, my editor will hurt me if I go over our 30 minute mark. So based on the um, information. We are well over our 30 minute mark. You didn't have to say it out loud, Denise. I was hoping she would just not notice. <laughs> but based on the information that we talked about today, and we talked about so much, can you summarize three practical tips that the audience can take away if they've struggled in this area and any recommended resources? Um, of course, my recommended resources to get help, but I will also add to that, don't just try once. Getting a therapist is like dating, and I hate to describe it that way, but you've got to find somebody you fit with. You've got to find somebody who you will hear, right? And the, the example I'll use is a lot of people that I've surrounded myself with, they are straight talking, go for the juggler, no bars, hold, hold no bars kind of people, right? That's because that's what's gonna get my attention. If I was to go in with someone that didn't grab me that way, I would just ignore the experience. So I'm saying to say, I'm saying that to say, Keep going until there's someone you can hear, someone that whose voice resonates with you, how they say it, what they say, how they frame it, like all of that. Don't just give up because the first therapist didn't click. So I want to just challenge you to keep going forward with that. The second thing I would offer is I wouldn't tell you what to believe. I can tell you who I believe. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I will tell you this, that whatever you lock your faith into, make sure it has these five perspectives. The first one is make sure that it is reliable, that when you need it, you can tap into it. You can go to it. It's available to you on demand, reliable. The second is make sure it can sustain you, that when you need to go the distance, that it's not going to give out on you, that it can go the distance with you. Make sure it can steady you, meaning we're going all through all these emotions and we got all these different things going on. Whatever you tap into is faith. Whatever you tap into, believe into, make sure it can steady you out. Make sure it can give you peace and make sure it can give you hope. And if you can do that proof test with whatever you have faith in, and again, I have faith in God, I believe in Jesus, but make sure it can deliver those five things for you because in this life, sin is going to sin. Sin be sinning, as they say. Sin is going to come into your life, meaning you're going to experience some things that just is not going to feel right. They're not going to seem right. They're not going to be right. But you need to be able to go back to your faith. There's this incredible book that was very instrumental in my journey. And it's called What Happened to You. And it is one of the books that helped change the game for my thinking 
about all of my experiences, I strongly recommend that book, What Happened to You. And it's from that book that I've created this theme for one of the events that I host annually. It's called The Unstoppable Event. And the theme of that is what happened to you did not ruin you. Because our mindset is because our mindset says to us that our experiences ruined us, but I want you to know it didn't. And so I recommend that book, What Happened to You. Thank you so much. Do you remember who the author is? So that book is by Bruce Perry and Oprah Winfrey. It is a small book, an excellent read. I actually listened to it on Audible. I actually bought it on Kindle. And so I strongly recommend that book. Thank you so much, Denise. I am definitely going to take a trip to Barnes and Nobles for sure to pick it up. Wow, there's just so much we covered today. And besides your wisdom and personally, like your mentorship in my life, thank you so much for sharing your story, sharing your testimony to your point and, you know, with the theme of your second podcast, it can really unleash some things for people. And I hope that the audience, if you've experienced this and you haven't told anyone that this inspires you to reach out to a therapist, to reach out to a hotline, to reach out to your pastor, reach out to someone you trust and start that process of healing because your life is too precious to allow it to remain stagnated and to be, what's that term? Uh, a caged bird you know you gotta fly you gotta soar so I love you guys thank you so much Denise it was so amazing speaking with you Uh, but before we log off could you let the audience know where they can find you Yep, you can find me at all things Denise Taylor live is my website. Um, the podcasts are available on uh, all the podcast networks, and I'm on Instagram as Denise Taylor Live. Pretty much Denise Taylor Live wherever you'll find me. Denise, I'm sorry, I lied. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> we have to do the closing exercise, guys. Okay. <laughs> Your editor is going to have a field day with this. Oh, she's going to be so bad. (laughs) But it's all right. So an exercise that I love to do with all of my guests is um, I like you to close your eyes. And I want you to imagine yourself in a space or a place where you feel the most at peace. And it could be anywhere in the world with anyone you want. And while you're there, you're sipping your favorite beverage and you're just thinking back over your life and all of the things that you've experienced, some of which were meant to really break you down and just keep you stagnated, kind of like with our theme today. But nevertheless, through God's grace, you still rose and you're just so grateful for where you are right now. What is one scripture from the word, a favorite quote from a song or a book that can encapsulate that feeling for you. The scripture that immediately came to mind was delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, that was definitely timely for me. I will let you know that. (laughs) Denise, thank you so much. You're welcome.